Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hepner with my co-hosts, Leslie Hoskins and Timothy Cuneo. Hello, guys. How are you both today? Hello. Oh, Timothy. <laughs> Timothy. Oh, come on. Hit. It was snowmageddon this week. Oh, no, I get it. You know, it's funny. And here in Michigan, we did not get any snow. It's cold, but we didn't get any snow. So the shelves you are should have came to Michigan. No, it was <laughs> colder there. So what happens? It snowed, what, maybe an inch or so in Georgia? Oh, no, we got four, we got four inches. Okay. We got four yeah. inches. It was, it, it was terrible. It was terrible. Terrible. Four oh. whole inches. Wow. wow. And then, and, but the, I had the production crew here on went, uh, Sunday for Leader Dogs for the Blind filming me. So there's going to be snow everywhere in the film. And th- they'll probably believe I'm in Michigan, but actually I'm in Georgia. It really <laughs> snows here once in a while. So Yes. Well, oh. Timothy, we're going to talk about why that production crew is there a little bit. Our biggest event, Dinner in the Dark, is coming up in March. We were hoping to have a hybrid event, both in person and virtual, but we've had to move it fully virtual. And Timothy is our keynote speaker, so that's why the production crew was there. We're so excited for everybody to hear his story. And now everyone from around the country can attend because it's virtual. I'm excited because my dog at home can attend. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, when we're hybrid and I'm there in person, I can't bring him, so... It's a win-win that way. It is. More guests this way. Yes. So we're super excited. Tickets are on sale now. If anyone is interested in attending, it's leaderdog.org. You can look right there on our website, events, dinner in the dark, and get all of the information. Super cool event. Timothy, tell us a little bit about what happened with, give us a little sneak peek with the production company. Oh, well, they uh, came came in about 9 a.m. Sunday morning. The wind was blistering 50-mile-an-hour winds. I lost a tree in my backyard. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. And uh, so they came in. They asked me some questions, and uh, I did a little, you know, a little speech there for the uh, interview. They interviewed my wife, and they also interviewed my uh, neighbor about the impact what Leader Dogs has done for me and uh, how it basically uh, saved and changed my life. So uh, it's a good story. I hope everybody gets to see it. It's inspirational, and uh, it's the truth, and that's how I feel. And it's, uh, I'm proud that I was able to do that. It was fun. That is awesome, Timothy. And I really cannot wait to see you in Glacier traveling in the snow. And I would think that Glacier, his name being Glacier, would have loved the snow environment, yes? She she did. I had to haul her in by hand because she wanted to stay out there. And believe me, Leslie, when it was snowing, I thought of you in not a good way. So. <laughs> Ouch, Timothy! <laughs> I don't like that. I, we, I call it, I have another S word for it, but we can't use that because it's a G-rated yes. show. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> well, listen. it was good. It was fun, though. It was fun. It if, if the wind died down when it was time to film outside, so it wasn't that bad. But it was nice, white, fluffy, white stuff, and uh, so it was great. It was, it was, it was okay. Well, good. I'm yeah. glad to hear it went well. We are really looking forward to seeing uh, the story at Dinner in the Dark for the virtual event. So, but today we are really excited to begin introducing listeners to members of our Leader Dog team and the different departments and roles at Leader Dog. So the natural starting point is our breeding department. This is really where the leader dog journey begins. Representing the breeding department is our guest, Dana Hunter. Dana is the breeding program manager. Yes, Leslie, and Dana's job at Leader Dog is to steer the direction of our breeding colony 
to ensure we are creating the best possible guide dogs for our clients. Along with her dedicated team, she oversees the health and well-being of almost 85 dogs in the volunteer host families that care for them. So we are so excited to welcome Dana. Hello, Dana. Hi, guys. Good morning. Hi, Good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for being our first guest on our podcast. And of course, we have to start with how long have you been at Leader Dog? And tell us about your journey of joining the Leader Dog team. Yeah, so I've actually been at Leader Dog now for just over three years. Um, I actually have a background in zoology. So I come from the zoo industry where I worked for about 12 years um, with a variety of different species, everything from a a small Madagascar hissing cockroach to a polar bear um, and everything in between. So... um, um, you know, the, the demands of the physical side of being a zookeeper, um, you know, were taking their toll. And um, I wanted to still, I wanted to still find a job where I could still give back to my community and make a difference for animals and people. And, um, you know, that's, that's just something that's kind of always been an innate part of my desire um, for my future career. And, you know, when I was looking to step away from the the zoo field, I happened to stumble upon this um, posting and um, it it was kind of a win-win. Leader Dogs for the Blind is based out of Michigan and that's actually my home state. And I had not lived in Michigan for um, about 12 years after graduating from college. So it was really nice to be able to kind of come back home to my roots um, and then still participate with an organization that has such an incredible mission you know, to feel, you know, to feel happy with what I'm doing every day and, you know, to feel like I'm really making a difference. So that, that led me here. That's wonderful. That is cool. That's cool, Dana. Can you tell us the history of the breeding of leader dog and why we breed the dogs that we use? Absolutely. So in our past history, you know, leader dogs been around for over 80 years, right? So historically they would be able to resource dogs from um, local shelters or um, local rescues um, but what we've seen is a shift in the the type of dogs that are available in those in those situations. And we weren't able to then guarantee the product that we were producing for our clients. Um, you know, not knowing the history of the dogs or who their parents were, and um, you know, what kind of health concerns may might pop up in the future, there was just so much unknown variability to it, um, which, you know, sparked the interest in growing a breeding colony and it has developed, you know, significantly over the last 20 years. Um, and the direction now, you know, and the reason that we, we have created this breeding program is so that we can more accurately guarantee the product that we're going to be producing for our clients. You know, our end goal is that our that we're p- providing our clients with a life of independence, and the best way to do that is to produce quality guide dogs. So, um, with our breeding program, we you know we carefully select who the parents are going to be. We um, we pull from our own um, puppy raising colony, so it's really it's really fun to watch these puppies grow up with their their razors. Over the course of a year, they return for formal training. You know, they're young adults and ready to take on the world. And I get kind of my first choice of um, which dogs I might want to bring in for breeding. So I get to select them 
for breeding before they ever even have a chance to go on to graduate. And ideally, um, the reason that we do that is because we're selecting the best of the best. Um, you know, I, I often hear, oh, they couldn't make it as a guide dog, so you took them for breeding, and that's absolutely not the case. Um, ideally, if we had left them in training, we would assume that they would then go on to graduate. That's what we're doing. We have to breed the best in order to create the best. Yes. Dana, so Leslie, Timothy, and I, the other week when we were looking things up, we looked up Timothy's or glaciers, not Timothy's. Glaciers. <laughs> we didn't look up Timothy's oh, not me. Oh, I am a Georgia bulldog, but not a not a leader dog. We looked up Glacier's parents and Leslie. I'm trying to remember. Name. Yes. So I believe, I'm just curious, Dana, if you remember these dogs. I believe, what did we say? The dad's name was Duck. Duck. And okay. the mom was Phoebe. Was that Phoebe? Phoebe? Yeah. Yes. So Duck and Phoebe, how yes. do you decide, you know, what two dogs to put together? And obviously we got Glacier out of the deal, which is wonderful. Right. Um, yeah. But I'm imagining there's lots of science behind that and pros and cons to breeding different dogs. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's, um, you know, there is a lot that goes into it. Um, we look at what have the parents of the dogs produced in the past? Um, you know, is that, have they produced outstanding dogs that we want to then contribute going forward? Um, you know, so we're, we're very careful in our selection, you know, like I said, early on with which dogs we bring into our program, but then when, when our female is ready to breed, then I have to make a decision of who do I breed her to. Um, so this Phoebe and duck litter is actually pretty exciting because um, this actually shows a cooperation that we have with um, a few um, private breeders. So this, the stud or the dad for this litter, and so Glacier's dad, was actually from donated services. Oh, so, my gosh. Um, yeah, so we actually um, received his donation stud. Um, I don't know. What I can do. Yeah. <laughs> so stud we get the picture. Dad, yeah. yeah, we get the picture. Yes, yes, he yes. donated his items, yes, his supplies. Yes, yes, yes. He made a deposit. Right. <laughs> a deposit. Yes. So, um, and then the mom was part of our program. So um, mom was then able to, you know, care for the puppies in the home for those seven weeks and now what we have are more genetically diverse puppies for our colony. Um, and it's, it's a really great way to keep us sustainable for, for years to come. Um, if you think about it, if you're only ever breeding the dogs that are part of your group, eventually you're going to have a very inbred colony. Right. Yes. Um, right. And inbreeding can create a lot of other negative um, traits. So it's definitely something that we have to be very careful with. So um, by receiving donation, um, you know, studs for our program, we're able to then keep our genetic material more diverse. Yeah. So this is a really great example of collaboration that we have out in the community. So the private breeders that we work with are also breeding for the exact same things that we are. Okay. Um, they're breeding for confirmation, which is how a dog is built, how, how are their hips and their elbows and... How is their body put together? Are they capable of doing the work that a lab was bred to do? Um, yes. And then additionally, they're also looking to improve the overall health um, and temperament of the litter, which is exactly what we do with ours. So awesome. it 
it leads us to have this really nice cooperation, um, you know, and then additionally, once we have this litter on the ground, we then offer up, you know, a puppy back to that breeder um, kind of as payment for, you know, donating um, the stud services to us. So that also shows how much we work together with other organizations, other breeders, just throughout the yep. whole leader dog organization. Timothy, I have to ask you, did you know any of this went behind Glacier becoming your leader dog, your guide dog? Well, when I was there, I've heard about this program, but I didn't know Glacier was a part of that. So it's kind of exciting uh, that she was breaded that way. So uh, that's kind of cool. I didn't know about that. And what a fun name, Duck. Duck and Phoebe are the parents of yes. Glacier. I love that. <laughs> you know, who would expect a dog named Duck? It <laughs> yeah. just It's such a cute name. I think it's great. <laughs> so this is Dana again. And one other really fun fact out of that litter, we actually pulled a breeding female from that litter. Oh. So one of Glacier's sisters is um, an active um, breeding stock dog. Her name is Mary. Wonderful. Aww. So where, That's what cute. happens to Mary then? Okay, so she's now a breeding dog. What happens? What does she do? Yeah, so um, first and foremost, we um, obviously have to find a home for Mary, somebody that um, is willing to host one of our dogs in their home. The dogs are technically still owned by Leader Dog, but um, at retirement, at age of retirement, they then turn over to be their personal forever dog. So we want this to be a really great match, um, somebody that's willing to host uh, four litters of puppies in their homes over the course of two to three years. Um, we do breed our females back-to-back -back litters, typically, um, for four litters. And um, each litter lives with their mom and the ho in the host family in their house for about seven weeks in total. Um, at that seven-week age, they then come back to leader dog and go out on their adventures as future leader dogs, which are our puppies in training. Um, so, yeah, the, the host family helps support the mom through the whelp process, um, helps socialize the puppies and care for them. Um, you know, while they have them in their home and, uh, you know, basically at the end of it, they're getting a, an incredible experience, um, a wonderful community to be a part of and, uh, the dog, of course, at the end of it. Yes. Then how many volunteers do you need to have to host these dogs? Yeah. Great question. So every single dog lives in a different home. So we have currently 85 breeding stock dogs. And um, so that's males and females that live with our volunteer host families. So those people volunteer their time and support to our program, um, you know, to, to take care of these dogs. We provide all of the vet veterinary services free of charge as long as they come to Leader Dog. Um, we provide free boarding over the course of their breeding career. So if the family needs to go on vacation or... Um, you know, they have a family emergency. They can drop the dog off and they stay with us. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's it's, – it takes a village to, to make this happen. Yeah. So this is a really cool opportunity for a lot of our volunteers. What are the requirements to be a volunteer for our breeding house dogs? Yeah, so um, there's a, a couple big, big um, requirements. One is our female breeding hosts – 
need to live within a six hour driving radius of campus and be in the United States. Um, the reason that we say you need to be within a six hour driving radius is because if there's ever an emergency in your home or in your family and we need to get the dog and maybe her puppies back to campus, we need to be able to do it in a, in a one day turnaround possibly, right, in an emergency situation. So any farther than six hours, it's just, it's a little bit too much for us um, to accommodate. Um, additionally, if you're hosting a female, you can only have two personal dogs um, in addition to the breeding stock dog. So a total of three. And um, uh, otherwise you have to adhere to our quarantine um, protocol, which is, is pretty, um, it's pretty intense. Uh, we require that mom and all other dogs in the home stay kind of at home and in their own backyard for the duration from breed from pickup from breeding all the way through litter return at seven weeks of age. So it's quite a commitment. You know, all the dogs can still, you know, mingle and be together, uh, but we're not bringing in new dogs from the outside. We're not taking them out to socialize with other new dogs. Yes. And I have had the chance since I've been at Leader Dog to meet some of our breeding hosts. And Dana, you even gave me the opportunity to see one of the puppies being born, which was so cool to be able to do that. So um, I like the pictures that we get from the hosts and just being able to see one of the puppies being born at Leader Dog in person was such a cool experience. So as a volunteer, you get to bring these cute, adorable puppies into the world that are going to go out and serve people, which I think is such an awesome thing. But, and I'm sure people are wondering like, oh, you know, I'm sure I can't have kids to do this, or, you know, I probably have to like live alone or work from home. But really there's a wide range of breeding hosts, Dana. Can you talk about some of our different breeding hosts and kind of what they do and if they have kids or not? Yeah, absolutely. We have all types. Um, You know, we have people that um, are retired that, you know, decided this is the opportunity that they've been waiting for. Um, We have some that have younger kids that they really wanted to expose them to such an incredible experience, you know, early on in life so that they can appreciate, um, you know, kind of just nature in and of itself um, and the process of, you know, supporting these puppies watching their journey and then knowing that they're going on to, you know, hopefully change somebody's life. Um, you know, that's, that's really big. Um, we have people that work at home. We have people, um, of, uh, really of all types. Um, you know, it's, it, it is a time commitment once that litter's on the ground. Um, but outside of that, you know, it's, it's you and your family spending time with the dog and, um, bonding with them. Uh, once the litter's on the ground, it includes bonding with the litter and, um, you know, socializing them to different, you know, different things in your house, you know, new toys, new areas. Um, you know, you can have friends and family come over once they're about four weeks of age. You can, you know, small, small amounts of people could come over, help the socialization process. So, um, you know, it's, it's a really nice little community that we've created for these breeding hosts um, as well. You know, they they share, share ideas and, you know, share topics and, you know, best practices and what worked and what didn't. Um, so it's really exciting to see. 
That is amazing. I love all of that. What a community, what a great support system, what a great way to give back. I'm curious, so these volunteers that host our breeding dogs, do they kind of get to find out where their puppies go and if they make it into the leader dog uh, world in the sense that they were working with a client? Um, Just curious if they get to know their journey. Absolutely. Um, You know, we, everyone that has had a puppy or a dog in their home is invested in the, in the outcome of, you know, what happens to that puppy, right? Um, we talk a lot about the puppy raiser who spends a whole year with that puppy, um, teaching them and socializing them. And then, you know, basically turning them over to, to college campus and, um, watching them on their journey. But it really all starts in the breed host home, right? They are spending, you know, hours and days with these puppies and, um, you know, they're pouring their heart and soul and it's not easy work. You know, the puppies poop and somebody's got to clean it up. (laughs) It's it's in their home. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it takes a lot of dedication and they're, you know, they're just, they're linked to these puppies. So when they return to campus at seven weeks, we do puppy wellness exams, their microchips, their first set of vaccines, um, and then when they go home with their razor, once once all of the puppies in the litter are out with their razor, we send an email to our breeding hosts and write down, you know, exactly where each puppy is being raised. Um, we tell them which state they're in. So it's fun, you know, sometimes we'll have one out in Utah or Montana or Connecticut, yeah. and, you know, so it'll be fun to, to do that. We also have um, a Facebook group that's just for our puppy raisers and breeding hosts. And that's a really nice way for everybody to kind of stay connected. Um, When the Razors post photos on there, they'll usually write in parentheses who the parents are. So that, you know, the host families kind of get to follow along with their with their um, puppies as they grow up. And then once the puppies return um, for formal training and go through the whole process and every puppy in that litter has a final disposition or we know where they all are, you know, how many graduated, did any get pulled for breeding, Where? how many were career changed. Um, once we know all of that, we will actually send a letter with photos, hopefully, of graduate dogs and their clients back to the host family so they'll get to see the full circle of, of the work that they did. What if somebody uh, has a cat or another dog in their house? Can they still be a breeder host? Oh, great question. Yes. Absolutely. So um, we actually have a couple families that have rabbits um, <laughs> and, and cats. We, we have specific guidelines on how, um, you know, the puppies can't interact with other pets in the home, just mom. So, you know, you have to be able to put up some barriers and, and things, um, you know, and separate them. But absolutely, it's, it, it is not a deal breaker. <laughs> that is awesome. So now I know we could talk about breeding probably for hours on end, but we are getting close to our time on this podcast. So Dana, I just want to end with asking you, what is your favorite part of your job or most rewarding? Um, You know, I'd say it's making the connections with people and then watching them grow through this process. You know, a lot of host families will come to us never having had a litter of puppies in their home, right? Um, And it's not a requirement to host a breeding stock dog. So they come in a little nervous and can I do it? You know, how is it going to go? And then watching them, them grow through the support that we provide and the support that our um, mentors provide for them, kind of watching them develop and gain 
confidence and then really fall in love with the process and our team and other hosts and their dog. I mean, it's just, it's the connections I think is my favorite part. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Dana, for joining us today. We're so glad you were here and able to share so much about the breeding department. And thank you everyone for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Hoskins with hosts Timothy Cunio and Christina Hepner. We hope you enjoyed learning about our breeding department and where our leader dogs come from. Please join us next week as we continue to share stories and educate about the world of blindness. Yes, and if you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcasts stream.